UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello. Welcome to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about the Michigan Football Team Awards. We're going to preview the college football playoff semifinal game versus TCU and talk about some stats about the Michigan football season so far. So, Clint, when you look at the awards, um, you know, the most most important one that stands out is the team MVP, the Bo Schembechler Award, won by Blake Corum. Um, How do you feel about that, and do other ones stand out for you? Yeah, I think I think naming Blake Corum the most valuable player makes uh, makes a lot of sense. I think the Michigan identity, especially offensively, is uh, is centered around the run game. But you could argue that even the the, the defensive um, identity is was kind of forged in uh, spring ball and and in fall camp, kind of going against the uh, the offensive line. So I think the run game is really core to this team's identity. And Blake Corum put together a, uh, a historic season um, that was unfortunately cut short. So I, I think that it makes a lot of sense uh, internal to the team and to the program that the uh, the star player within the run game um, be named the most valuable player uh, because he he's really kind of the heartbeat of what this 2022 Michigan team was. So that made a lot of sense. And then he uh, he also had a couple other awards that I think make, make a lot of sense as well. Yep. And those other awards were toughest player and blue collar awards, which definitely makes sense. But I'm more focused on my team right now. You know, I'm really focused on, you know, beating Michigan state, beating Ohio state again, you know, going to win the big 10 championship, but actually going all the way this year, you know, like that's my focus. Like I'm really not focused on myself goals. That's going to come like, the yards, the yardage, the yards per carry, yards after carry, like, all that's going to come. But, like, as long as you focus on the team, and that's what I'm focused on, I'm focused on, you know, making sure my own line can get better. What can I do to help them get better? What can I do to help the defense get better? Like, like we say, the team, the team, the team, and that's what I'm buying into. Like, it's really not about me at the end of the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mine, you know, but I'm here for my team. I'm, I'm going to go all the way this year, and I think we can as long as we lock in. But to answer your question, I don't really care about the accolades, you know, like, it's preseason. It's cool. It's nice, you know. But uh, I don't. I don't care. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. It's just a weird feeling for what a great season he was having to have his season cut short. Um, well, cut short right there at the end. And you know, there's some questions. He hasn't decided if he's going to come back next season. So definitely would love to see him come back and and you know hopefully be healthy for the complete year and come back and have a, you know, possibly another Heisman trophy um, worthy season. But again, wish them all the best and uh, you know, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah. So it just, it is weird. And again, it's, it's a good weirdness to be looking forward to, you know, hopefully uh, you know, two more games, definitely one more game, but uh, with him not being a part of it, it it's it's uh, it's kind of an odd feeling there. So, again, wishing the best for him. Um, um, another award, Michigan's uh, top defensive lineman or outside linebacker was Mike Morris, the the catcher award. You know that that seems to be uh, that seems to make a lot of sense too. 
you know, again, another player who um, missed or intermittent the last couple games. Hopefully he's going to be back for the semifinals. But um, again, that, that, that ward seems to make sense too. Yeah, I, I think that's, he's head and shoulders, clearly the, the most uh, productive of, um, you know, those interior linemen and, and outside linebackers. I feel like it shows a lot. You know, like y'all said, the narrative is that Michigan has played, hasn't played anybody. And um, I feel like that's not true. I feel like everyone in the Big Ten, Big Ten's very slept on. I feel like everybody in the Big Ten can be anybody in the country. So uh, Maryland was a great team. Indiana is a good, is a good team. And um, I mean, Iowa was a really good team, great defense. And um, now Penn State, you know, people want to look at it as we haven't played anybody, but in reality we have. And uh, we showed up and showed out. And now people say we haven't played anybody. And now Penn State, again, we showed up and we showed out. So that narrative can keep going, but uh, we're in the business of proving people wrong. So that's all we got to do is show up and show up. He's capable of doing both, um, you know, moving inside, uh, starting predominantly on the edge, but fully capable of moving inside. And his uh, ability and that versatility is really the key that unlocks um, a, a lot of uh, additional options for the, the defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter, to be able to put different fronts out there. And, and it, his ability to be the foundation of the defensive front through the season allowed other guys to be put into positions where they could be successful, right? If, if certain edge guys were, were better at pass rush, um, you know, they were allowed to be in those special roles because Mike Morris could move inside uh, in, a, in a pass rush package, for example. On standard downs, you know, he could play uh, on the weak side or the strong side, which really allowed, you know, the, the linebackers and the interior, the other interior linemen to, um, to really flow freely um, from uh, inside out. So his role on this on this defense was again really foundational and he his presence made other guys better and uh you know kudos to jesse minter for using him um and and being as versatile as possible and then really both of those awards you know blake Corum with the mvp and blue collar and toughest player awards and, and mike morris being kind of the anchor uh up front with the with the Richard Catcher Award, uh, not having those guys in the game against Ohio State and then in the Big Ten championship game and still managing to play well is is one of the biggest uh, you know shining stars that you could put on uh, what this program accomplished so far in 2022. You know to not have your your best players on both sides of the ball and still. Uh, have the depth and versatility to play so well to this point is is quite a statement for for what this team has going right now. Absolutely, another award, the Roger Zatkoff Award, that goes to the team's top linebacker, went to Junior Colson. Again, uh, another you know good choice. And again, what's interesting about I think this award and you know the last award we just talked about is. After how good last year's defense was, there was this question hanging over this this new group, right, this season. And, again, they have gone on rolling and in some ways 
has even, or in some ways have even, uh, you know, eclipsed last year's group, right? Our mindset is just dominate whoever's in front of us and just maybe they can at least, you know, remember us by the time they're done. So, like, we're trying to be the best defense out there, so it doesn't matter who we play. We're always going to give it our best shot. So, again, Junior Colfin, a huge part of that, um, you know, had 97 tackles and, uh, you know, six tackles for loss. Yeah, the, you're you're seeing the natural growth of a player. Last year, who was a true freshman and started at inside linebacker, which is really really difficult. You can see giant steps forward from last year to this year in a sophomore campaign, and uh, I think this is also really really well deserved. I think he really played cleaner and and made a lot fewer mistakes this year, and um, his athletic ability again was a big deal um, in terms of maintaining versatility for, for the defense and, and allowing the coordinator to make a lot of different types of calls uh, based on run or, or pass uh, and down and distance because his, his ability to stay in coverage with, uh, with running backs and tight ends um, really was, was a giant difference this year than some of the defenses we've seen in the past where where uh, inside linebackers were more of a liability. So for him to clean up the mental mistakes and really uh, be able to play fast and lean on his athletic ability, play sideline to sideline and stick in coverage with some of those more athletic uh, offensive weapons that were on Michigan's calendar, uh, I think really played a, another big role, right? Not quite as foundational as what I was saying about Mike Morris, but certainly another big part of being able to do a lot of different things based on what uh, what the coordinator expected to see from the opposing offense. Next award is the uh, Hugh H. Raider Award presented to the team's top offensive lineman. Again, went to Alu Aluatimi. And again, an obvious choice, you know, uh, being a former amateur, low-level offensive lineman myself, I love to watch the line play and the last two seasons, Michigan's line play has just been amazing. And Olu was just next level great this year. So definitely a uh, uh, worthy recipient of that award. And again, kind of a, you know, a poster guy for how successful players can be taking advantage of the transfer portal. You got to be tough and, uh, you know, you're going to work. You, there's going to be some, some tough days that you, have to, that you have to go through. But, you know, that, that allows us to play the way we play on. <laughs> that allows us to play the way we play on Saturday. Um, being able to last longer than teams, out tough them, out physical them for 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a grind, but you got to go through that grind if you want to be great. You know, we had talked about when Harbaugh came in thinking that Michigan would be quarterback you. And um, one of the things that's happening is we're really turning into offensive line you and running back you. And pretty much everything else, you. But really, it, it's it's amazing to see how how this group. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But again, great to see Olu honored, and definitely a, a great choice for that award. Yeah, and and he was a finalist for the Remington Trophy last year as the best center in the nation, and then actually won the award this year. So all he did was take one more step forward and be and be the best at, at his position nationally. So um, the the offensive line as a unit, you know, won the Joe Moore 
award for, um, you know, specific for offensive line play last year. And then when Lou came in as, uh, you know, one of only two new players on the unit from last year to, to Michigan is very fortunate to have taken a step forward, you know, uh, especially at the center position where you're really kind of the, the hub of communication, obviously, uh, across all five guys. So it was really, um, is really fun to watch for for folks who who like the X's and O's uh, of and blocking schemes. And and he again is kind of the linchpin that allows this offense to do a lot of different things um, and and use uh, a handful of, of running game concepts and and be versatile against no matter what the defensive front is doing. They can they can make those calls and communicate them in real time and adjust and it led to some really big plays and key moments uh, as as we came down the home stretch so uh, again I, I agree with you another slam dunk uh, really easy pick for lineman of the year and again uh, best at his position in the entire country is is really saying something unless you ask uh, you know the big 10 media of course where he was second team in the big 10 well you know big 10 media right mm-hmm. so I, I sense, well, again, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, when you have a player who's honored as the best in their position and somehow comes up short, uh, you, you, you know, in conference awards, you kind of have to wonder. And I don't think it's national that got it wrong there. So mm-hmm. um, next one's an interesting one. Brad Robbins won the Bob Eufer Quest which is awarded to the player who demonstrates the most enthusiasm and love for the University of Michigan, named for the great Bob Eufer, legendary announcer of Michigan Wolverines. Um, I was, uh, you know, grew up listening to him on the radio with my dad, and um, interesting that my first Michigan game at the big house was actually his last game. So um, a nice uh, tip of the hat to him. Really glad that I was able to experience that. And, of course, unfortunately, he passed away of cancer uh, shortly thereafter. But, again, what's interesting about this award is that Brad won it for the second straight year. And typically, it goes to a senior, so you don't have that option. But, again, I think it you know goes to what a great player he is and definitely how much enthusiasm he has for the team, the team, the team. And, you know, that's why we're called the leaders and the best, right? Like, we have, we're chock full of them, everybody, everybody on the team. So, again, uh, you know, a great choice. And it's interesting when we think about how great Michigan has been on offense, sometimes you, it's easy to forget that Brad also had a really great year punting. Thankfully, we didn't need it that often. But when he was called to perform, he did very well. Yeah, I think this is one that is the least visible to kind of us as fans from outside the program to, to really show, you know, team spirit and enthusiasm. Really, you're, you're talking about team gatherings, meetings, practice field, right, locker room, all the stuff that we are not privy to. Uh, so for him to win it two years in a row, he must really be one of those uh, glue type guys that um, you know, can keep things positive and, and usually can uh, kind of keep things light in, in different scenarios and, and keep everybody focused on, on having fun as they're playing a game and, and doing the hard work that's necessary to play the game. So 
it's it's rare that you kind of see a specialist in, in a role like that. Um, a lot of times those special team players, kickers and, and punters, kind of get isolated on their own island, right? They get their own practice field area and they're, they're over there. There's, you know, the couple handful of players and their coach and, and they're not as integrated. So it's cool to see um, Brad Robbins really obviously integrated into the, the fabric of, of what makes this team so great. And that's, that's great for him. Yep. And one of the, the key stats that jumps out is, you know, when he was punting, there were only six returns. So definitely, you know, when he was called upon, he performed well. Next award, the Dr. Arthur Robinson Scholarship Award, and that went to Caden Colasar. Yeah, I, th- I thought that um, Colasar would probably get the, the Blue Collar Award that ended up going to Blake Corum. Not that I um, disagree with Blake Corum winning that, but with you know Blake Corum taking his own haul, I thought that this was kind of a, a shoe-in for Caden Colasar. Complacency is, is the worst thing that could ever happen to a team. Like, right when you get complacent, that's when a team beats you, you know what I mean? Um, and so, I mean, it's really just keeping the same mindset every day, coming in every day with the same exact mindset and recommitting every time that you step into this building that, I mean, it, your goal is just to get better each day, no matter who you're playing, no matter what's going on that day, no matter how you're feeling. Like, you have to just keep getting better every day. Well, you just got to keep reminding yourself that um, – like you're not just preparing for them, you're you're preparing for those other teams down the road, um, because the season's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like, there's gonna be times where, yeah, you're not feeling up to it and, and you're not feeling great. You're like, oh, I just want to go through the motions today. But you gotta realize that, like, hey, maybe the the guy on that other team, he's he's not doing that. He's working harder today, so I gotta I gotta work harder than him. I gotta practice harder than him. Um, to see. Uh, him get a different award, certainly for scholarship and and um, you know dedication to the team, especially on special teams, um, where it, it's a major expectation for Michigan. You know, sometimes uh, high level programs don't want their their people to play uh, special teams. They don't want players uh, risking injury on that. And we had that conversation a lot over the last two seasons, of course, with with Ronnie Bell being injured on a, on a on a punt return play. So um, Caden Colasar being rewarded for uh, his dedication to um, learning the defensive backfield uh, as a safety and then also really playing across all of the different special teams with uh, Jay Harbaugh. Again, I think you're seeing a theme of guys being rewarded for um, really being pivotal um, in, in the ability to give their coaches and their coordinators uh, the ability to do a lot of different things. And Caden Colasar is another one of those guys. He filled in as a returner uh, in the last two years. He, he plays uh, on the edge. He's been a jammer. He's been a gunner. Um, and he's always in the center, uh, kind of taking the leadership and, and communication leadership role. So makes a lot of sense for him to get the, this type of reward and uh, another real glue guy that, that isn't going to get some of the other accolades and statistics but uh, really critical for, for Michigan as a program. Now, the awards we just talked about were the six original team awards. So these are the awards that have come down throughout the years, and there are a number of other awards that have been added through time. Um, and again, we, we talked about the Toughest Player Award that went to Blake Corum, the Blue Collar Award that went to Blake Corum. Next award up is Rookie of the Year Offense, and that went to Colston Loveland. What do you think about that one? Another slam dunk. 
a really little bit of a surprise when he played in his fifth game um, with as, as deep as Michigan was at the tight end position. Thought he would uh, probably get four games of experience and, and probably take a red shirt. But I think that he played in every single game this season. And that experience really helped him grow. So I came in spring. I enrolled early. I came in spring. And I remember, like, the first couple practices of spring ball, I was kind of getting bullied. You know, just it was like my welcome to college moment. <laughs> and uh, so it took, it, took me, it took me a while to kind of get used to it. And it's really more technique over anything, you know, being in the right spot getting your feet down in the right spot. And that's that's kind of just came with, you know, being with the coach, Coach Newsom, and being around the players and, and being able to kind of get those things down pretty good. And that's, that's, what, that's what helped me. And now he's um, really quite a weapon to, um, to really be reckoned with. Uh, and defensive coordinators are going to have to account for where Colston Loveland is on the field. And I'm sure as he gets older and stronger, he's going to continue to develop as a blocker, as the rest of the Michigan tight ends have. So really a slam dunk, I think, uh, for rookie in terms of true freshman stepping into a really tough position like tight end. So uh, great job by Colston Loveland this year. Exciting to see what he can do in the next uh, in the next game or two. And it just shows how deep Michigan is at many positions like like you said, coming into this year, it would have been really easy to anticipate that he may have been redshirted and, you know, and here called into frontline really important, you know, situations and, um, you know, definitely stepped up and, and got the job done. So, again, a player who kind of emerged in the second half of the season and, you know, we will continue to expect great things from. Next award, Rookie of the Year on Defense split between Mason Graham and Will Johnson. And again, two more good choices. Uh, what are your thoughts on those players? Just amazing that two high-level units, the, you know, Michigan's offensive unit and their defensive unit, had room for these true freshmen to come in and learn on the job. I mean, it speaks a lot to their talent, of course. You know, they've got to be good enough to be there, but – um, it takes a little bit of vision and foresight from the coaching staff to be able to put them in and allow them to make some mistakes early on as, as true freshmen and then coach uh, and, and help develop the improvement based on those mistakes and then see what we've seen at the end of the year. So Will Johnson, obviously huge game in the Big Ten championship game, two interceptions. You know, everybody is is just uh, flying high with with what he's capable of. JJ, I don't know how much you guys uh, like face Will Johnson in practice. Two picks today, ball hawking. Is that what he's like in practice, or what have you seen that he's developed like that? One hundred percent. I mean, he's a he's a freshman that came in that he didn't play like a freshman, and he just had so much God-given ability that was backed up with his tremendous work effort, ethic and uh, his skills. I mean, his skills is top of, top of the charts, but I just can't wait to see him keep growing, keep grooming into the great player he's gonna become. And I mean, every, every day in practice is just a blessing to go up against that guy because he really is the truth, he really is. Drawing a lot of comparisons uh, intentionally, of course, to to Charles Woodson. He wears number two at Michigan and plays corner. Um, he did that, you know, by design, by his own design. So he's going to always draw that comparison. And 
um, it's going to be fascinating to see him grow and develop. Uh, and then Mason Graham is an interior defensive lineman, nose guard, that there's no way that a true freshman, I, I, I would have never, ever expected a true freshman to step in and make so many plays. Yeah, these college linemen are obviously bigger than the offensive ones I faced in high school, but I played in one of the best leagues, so there's the best competition coming out of high school. Uh, Coach Herb has really like prepared us and all the rest of the strength staff on just be prepared for these games. We do specific stuff for these games, so it really helps like spring training, winter training, even during season. It helps all of it. Earlier in camp, like probably like first week, um, I started. I was in, starting to go with the ones, so that's like kind of a point where I started to realize um, that I was probably going to play this year. Uh, at that position, just physically, um, to have been playing high school football at this time last year, and, and to be able to step in and physically be capable of, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat against. Uh, Big Ten offensive linemen, usually upperclassmen on the interior, right? Um, and make so many huge plays, especially third and fourth down uh, short plays um, where he's not just kind of burrowing and holding the line, but he, he sheds blocks and, and makes tackles in the backfield. Um, he is he may be the player that I'm the most excited about over the next two or three seasons Um, to see what he did as a true freshman is totally out of character. Very much reminds me of what Aiden Hutchinson did as a true freshman, having an impact on the defensive line and kind of really opened my eyes. Um, But Hutchinson was doing that mostly on the edge, which is, uh, you know, one step maybe easier physically than to really be battling inside there. Uh, like Mason Graham did, it's going to be, he's he's going to really make some noise coming up soon. Uh, keep your eyes on number 55. What was interesting about that, you know, to your point, is they brought him out to talk to the media really early this season. And I was kind of surprised because, again, like you said, true freshman, and I'm like, well, what are you doing, right? Like, like, are we going to be – sometimes you'll see players and, and they don't make a big impact and you kind of get the impression that they want to get them experience talking to the media, right? And it, it's more for their sake than an opportunity for us to talk to them. And then as the season progressed, you got it. It's like, oh, this is a player of note. This is a player you're going to be hearing about. And, again, just – like you said, an amazing uh, circumstance for a true freshman to come in and, and really dominate in critical situations. And again, another tip of the hat to uh, the depth that Michigan has. Okay. I mean, you have depth, you have new guys coming in, you have opportunities to play as freshmen. And these guys are playing not just to get experience, they're playing because they're ready. So definitely um, really speaks to the coaching staff and speaks to how the whole team is working together to, uh, you know, get these guys ready to play. So, you know, in the past seasons, you know, we'd always say, well, it's the next man up mentality, right? And, you know, the expectation is for the position. Well, that always doesn't always work out. But these last two seasons, it really is. And 
this is a, an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, next award, uh, another familiar name, Rookie of the Year Special Teams, Colston Loveland and Jimmy Rolder. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the reason that we saw these guys getting time uh, on offense and on defense, Jimmy Rolder getting in uh, at linebacker, is because of their dedication on, on special teams. You know, they, they come in, uh, give 100% effort, learn quickly, show that they can handle um, the speed of the game at the college level, and, and that led to uh, increased opportunities for them on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So um, really coming in and dedicating yourself to special teams is a, is a good idea for any incoming freshman and, and those two guys. You know, it's good to see uh, the program giving them some accolades on top of that, especially, you know, Jimmy Rolder. So, Offensive Player of the Year, J.J. McCarthy. What do you think about that one? I, I think it makes sense. Uh, obviously, with Blake Corum getting the team MVP, they wanted to give a, a, another very high-level award um, to a guy that, that has made a, a huge difference this year. And J.J. McCarthy, his ability to kind of maintain um, – the quarterback play that we saw last year in 21 from Cade McNamara and add a dimension on top of that, both with a little bit more arm strength and uh, the ability to hit a couple more intermediate throws into tighter spots because of that arm strength. And then obviously his ability to run uh, impacts the, uh, the, the defense and makes them account for the quarterback in the run game which was not uh, something that we had with, with Kate McNamara on the field last year. So uh, again, he, his just mere presence back there taking the snap made a huge difference um, in what this offense is capable of. And then being the, the leader in the huddle and on the sidelines and in the locker room, uh, JJ McCarthy really excelled all the way through the year. And uh, I, I still think that there's room to grow there and he's, he's going to continue improving the physical parts of the games and he's going to really have to be great um in uh, in the college football playoffs for michigan to accomplish what they want to accomplish one of the amazing things about jj this season for me watching him is there was a lot of questions through the first half i'd say the first three quarters of the season about the long passing game and what was amazing about JJ is that his confidence was never shaken. He, he said it's coming. Right. And I remember thinking, you know, prior to the Ohio state game, I mean like the week before he's like, yeah, you're going to see it. You know, everything's a work in progress. And obviously we have so much, so much high expectations for us as an offense, especially in the passing game. So, of course, everyone's looking at that gap. Like, why isn't it there? And there's really no ceiling to it. So there's always going to be questions of uh, why isn't it there? We should be throwing for 400 yards a game, all that. But, you know, our identity is a smash fest. And we love to run the rock. And we love to do it and inflict our force on any opponent we play. So... A lot of the meat on the bone is still on the bone, and it's ready to come off next Saturday. And I remember thinking, well, uh, we've gone through 11 games, and we haven't quite seen it consistently yet, okay? But he had no doubt, and and then we saw it, right? And I think it shows kind of, again, as you mentioned before, we don't always get to see 
everything that happens behind the scenes or we don't have a, a really good window into um, what happens in the practice. But you could imagine J.J. being that enthusiastic leader, you know, continuously. And I think that's, again, you have to you have to perform, right? But I could easily see, you know, in a future season, J.J. getting that Spirit and Enthusiasm Award, too, because he just he has that mentality. He has that um, that leadership. So I think that, um, again, uh, great award for him. You know, no question there. And again, at this point, you know, you have the awards that Blake Cormar already received. And, and this is a good place to, to honor J.J. McCarthy. Next award up is Defensive Player of the Year, Mozzie Smith. Yeah, I think this one also makes sense given that Mike Morris already had one of the original six awards given. Um, I, I I think, again, Mike Morris and his versatility was really critical, but Mozzie Smith and his, um, his mentality on the inside, his ability to really uh, battle uh, and, and accept a, a kind of a, the grunt work role on the interior there where most of what Mozzie Smith has to do is eat double teams and keep the linebackers free and keep the edge guys free to make plays. So for him to, to really excel and still be able to make some very key plays from the interior there uh, was huge. Again, I think that he's a, he's a foundational piece. He, he and Mike Morris are the reason that this defense can do all of the different things that they do on the back end. Uh, stopping the run is key in every game, every college football game, especially in a t in a conference like the Big Ten. Um, we see teams who, uh, you know, get pass heavy, but when a, a team can keep a balanced rushing attack, you know, they usually able to keep the defense on its toes and uh, and surprise the defense with certain plays and explosives. Uh, so last year, you know, they did a great job of that. Uh, they had a um, a special back back there, and uh, the boys play hard no matter what. So, uh, it's, but it's always, always important to stop the run. Just like any game, if we don't stop the run in this game, it ain't going to be good. Um, and, and Mozzie Smith, really, um, his role and, and ability to still make plays from a role where really you're just trying to get a guy to eat up space and, and not get driven backwards. And he does that plus some. So, I think this is a really huge honor for a guy that's in um, in a position that's not going to get a lot of uh, statistical shout out and accolades, and clearly the the staff wanted to make sure that everybody knew that his role is really crucial for uh, the success of the defense. So you know, I'm I'm glad to see him um, be able to get some some positive recognition. Absolutely. Next award up, special teams player of the year, AJ Henning. Yeah, I think this is um, another place where they wanted to highlight somebody who um, accepted a, a role that, that maybe is less than we would have thought a couple of years ago. A.J. Henning, uh, even last year, got a lot more touches on the offensive side of the ball uh, than he did this year. I know he battled some, some injuries a little bit this year, but his development back there as a punt returner from – uh, the second game of last year after Ronnie Bell got hurt through last year and then through this year, 
his development has been really, really great. And, and where he's made some big plays, really the, the value to the team is his ability to much more quickly read the punts that go up into the air and catch the ball much more reliably. Yeah, you know, after last season, you know, I really went back and looked at the film and just <clears throat> and really just looked at each return that I had last year, balls that I felt like I, I could have fielded that I didn't, some balls that I felt like I fielded that, you know, I dropped. Uh, just honing in on the little details, alignment, assignment, uh, the little keys, keep your your uh, your body square, keeping your elbows in tight. Uh, you know, I got with Brad Robbins, you know, just talking with him, the different types of balls that I'm going to see, different types of way, ways the punter will hit it to see the way that it'll spin off the foot. Um, you know, I just really honed in on all those little details to get better. And with repetition, you you know, you always get better. So, you know, just keep repping, keep, you know, bringing a punter along, Tommy Doman or uh, Brad Robbins, you know, getting with those guys and just catching balls after hours, just, just getting those reps in. And not allow uh, those punts to roll and, and what we call hidden yardage, right? Giving up 15, 20, sometimes 25 yards of roll on those punts. And that happened a lot early on when he uh, first took over that position. But now uh, he's really much more reliable um, asset back there as a returner, still extremely dangerous to, to take it back to the house at any given time. And again, I think the program and the coaching staff wanted to reward his selflessness of you know giving up a certain amount of touches on the offensive side of the ball and really embracing uh, uh, his special teams role, and and he gets named uh, special teams player of the year because of that. Next up, offensive skill player of the year, Ronnie Bell. Yeah, I would say no doubter here, right? Uh, of course, Blake Corum's a skill player. Already had an award. Quarterback's a skill position. Um, already had an award. Ronnie Bell is is has been the best receiver in the program for three or four seasons now, and again took another step forward. Uh, in terms of making a couple big plays, I, I'd like to see Ronnie be a little bit more consistent, um, just just catching the ball. Um, I think most of the time he's trying to uh, trying to make plays with his legs, you know, kind of running before he catches it. But he's this is another slam dunk that he is without a doubt um, the, the 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 most crucial skill player. As soon as Moody made it, man, like just to pull a win out like this is something that like. It ain't easy to do, man. It's a tough game, tough opponent. Um, you know, like we said, we had some guys down, missed some plays here and there. Um, and so to win as ugly as that was and to still come out on top, you know, I think we was down, what, seven going into the fourth quarter. Um, to come out on top, man, it just it feels really good. And, yeah, I think I think everything about it is the culture that the players have set and the culture that uh, Coach Harbaugh has, uh, you know, <clears throat> flooded into the building every single day. And uh, it's just completely shifted, man. It's not even. It's not even. The the ones that didn't make it through 2020, man, is is uh, it's a whole different whole different team now, man. So. And we really saw, uh, the rest of the wide receiver room have to be forced to develop, um, last year in his absence, and now adding him back into that same wide receiver room, was a uh, was a really great reminder. Oh yeah, by the way, we still got our best wide receiver back this year, and and. Uh, it's great to see him and his enthusiasm and leadership uh, in all corners of a football game. So well-deserved uh, skill player of the year for Ronnie Bell. The next award might be the most surprising to me. And again, the one that 
I'm actually the happiest to see. Um, defensive skill player of the year, Mike Sainristel. And again, for a player to, to switch from offense to defense and have this impact is, is, is really impressive. Yeah, you've brought it up a couple times where we heard that um, there were rumors swirling that, that even with the entry of Dax, Daxton Hill into the draft last year, that Michigan was still going to be able to cover almost as well in the slot. And certainly sounded like offseason bluster. And I think it's held true. Mike Samer still uh, repeatedly um, is stands up in the, in the biggest moments, including what might be the play of the year in the Ohio State game with, with him breaking up that pass in the end zone from, from the tight end in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was the same as the grit, uh, determination. The underdog mindset that we had last year, um, just you know, the Michigan versus everybody mindset was different. Is just the fact that it's a, it's not the same team as last year. We don't have the same guys defensively. We don't have the same guys off. We have majority of the same guys offensively, but you know the identity is not the same as what it was last year. Uh, what worked for last year's team is not the same thing that's working right now. Um, you know we have we just we, we play with a, with a different attitude. Um, you know, not to take nothing away from last year's team, but you know. Right now, what we're doing is we're just we just have a mindset of nothing is nothing that gets in our way is going to stop us, and you know that's just what we we pride ourselves on. Truly remarkable season, um, really a lot more. You could pour almost every accolade to to Mike Sanger still with what he did, being selfless, changing positions, uh, showing leadership in all in all positions, um, doing a lot of hard work, obviously to be. Uh, to excel in as a receiver last year and now as a defensive back. So uh, he deserves all of this and more, certainly. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what type of big plays he still has in store for the remainder of the season. Absolutely. Next award, Specialist of the Year, Jake Moody. Yeah, it's hard hard to give a reward to the punter, Brad Robbins, certainly deserved, and then A.J. Henning, Special Teams of the uh, Player of the Year. And then Jake Moody, oh, by the way, just the best kicker that we've ever had in the program. Been watching Michigan football since I was a kid. Pretty, pretty decent historian of Michigan football. And uh, I am, I am uh, nominating him for legendary status. Probably deserves some type of award and accolade. So um, I, I got to figure out a way to highlight him. Um, so uh, I'm glad that the, they figured out how to do that. And uh, again, I would say in over a hundred years of uh, Michigan football, Jake Moody is the, the best kicker. And I don't think that uh, is really um, stands for much debate. So that's, that's a pretty high praise and uh, one more title, one more trophy for him to have is, is great. Most improved player offense, Carson Barnhart. Yeah, Barnhart's um, a couple seasons has been uh, a sub along the offensive line. He's gained a lot of game experience in the 2020 and the 21 seasons. Uh, battled Andrew Stuber um, for playing time uh, a little bit last year, along with Trente Jones, and then Stuber goes to the NFL, and uh, Barnhart and Trente Jones battle it out. Trente Jones starts out at right tackle this year and gets hurt. 
giving uh, the opportunity to Carson Barnhart to, to really settle into one position instead of moving all across the line. And I think uh, this really shows uh, how the staff saw him grow and finally kind of settle into that position. I'd say the difference is just being able to know that I'm starting and that I'm going out there first. And But nothing's really changed that much other than just going out there first because I still prepare the same as I did when I was a backup. And I still do the same, all the same things just to get better and better each day and every week and go out there and do my best and try to win. Having the defense, like going against guys like Chris Jenkins, Mozzie, Avi, all of them, um, just gets us prepared for Saturdays. And we feel like they're the best defense in the country. And having them to go against every, every week allows us to go out there and put our, perform the way we do on, the, on Saturdays. Um, where even once Trent A. Jones was healthy, uh, I think uh, Barnhart had kind of wrestled the job back away from him. So um, kudos to him, uh, another really critical piece of an offensive line um, that continues to, uh, to be the heartbeat of the offense. So congratulations to, to Carson Barnhart, finally kind of settling into a position and uh, showing the willingness to keep competing for his job every day. Next award, most improved player on defense, Mike Barrett. Uh, another well-earned um, award that, you know, glad to see. Yeah, we've spent a couple different podcasts really highlighting what, what Mike Barrett was um, had done in those individual games and put together finally a, a full season from start to finish where he was really, really great uh, consistently. And again, this is a spot where injury kind of dictated that he had to go in there. Uh, a, a previous kind of hybrid space player, Viper, in Don Brown's defense, moves inside to inside linebacker. A lot of work to do to mentally understand that new position, to physically try to grow into that position, and then um, make the best of what he was capable of. And he really became a, a huge piece uh, of allowing Jesse Minter to be versatile. Again, his coverage ability um, next to Junior Colson is a huge reason that uh, shored up a big um, weakness um, that we've seen in previous Michigan defenses where linebackers uh, were consistently uh, exposed in coverage. And I think uh, Michael Barrett and, and Junior Colson, their athletic ability was a huge part of shoring that up and uh, for him to, to show the leadership and um, – um, uh, perseverance to really um, take on every challenge that every season has brought to him and always come out the other end uh, a little bit stronger and a little bit better. I, I, I think he deserves uh, a most improved player, certainly, and, and also uh, even more than that, I think mentally and physically um, one of the tougher players that, that we've got in the program. Absolutely. And we've talked about this before, Again, he was slated to be Viper and, you know, could have been disappointed at the change in defensive schemes, could have left the program. The culture of the building, the culture of just Michigan football um, is just a place that, that's hard to leave. Um, I knew once, once everything changed, it, it, it changed for the better, honestly, in my opinion. And um, I just feel like just that, that culture changed here just uh, made me want to stay even more stuck around and really showed his grit 
and has become a key key part of of the defense not only last year but but definitely this year so again glad to see him him uh, honored and and recognized next award most improved player special teams iman dennis and matthew hibner another couple guys that i i think are really really physically talented iman dennis uh has seen some time at wide receivers on the corner and uh hibner's in the tight end room so I would take this as a signal that these guys are ready to take the next step, uh, probably start making some bigger plays on uh, special teams and will likely also be rewarded with more playing time uh, on the offensive and defensive units as we go into 2023 season. So the next awards are recognized, recognizing scout team players. We have scout team player of the year on offense, Zach Peterson, Scout Team Player of the Year on Defense, Jesse Madden, and Scout Team Player of the Year on Special Teams, Joel Metzger. Yeah, these are guys that are almost impossible to see outwardly for for us as fans. So um, it must be really really a a celebration for those players and for their families to get get the recognition um, for doing a lot of hard work. Scout Team is, is very difficult not only because you are typically younger and a little bit less talented than the, the first teamers and second teamers that you're playing against, but you're also trying to learn a, a new offensive or defensive scheme every single week, right? To mimic what the other team is going to be doing. So um, to excel in that role is really critical. Uh, our, our teams are, are the best football teams um, have a lot of versatility and can put a good look uh, onto the practice field every day. So, uh, kudos to the program for rewarding three scout team players of the year uh, for being really embracing that role in, in what is sometimes very thankless. Um, and I hope that uh, that those players and their families get to celebrate. And uh, a lot of times that can also be uh, a sign that um, that this is the a person that may be a future contributor. I know. I, I believe uh, a few seasons ago, Cade McNamara happened to win this on the offensive side of the ball. So um, uh, keep your eyes peeled for those names. May, may become more regular household names in the future. Absolutely. And again, all of these players have hopefully two more games to uh, continue to making impact. So looking forward to that. So Clint, Speaking of potentially two more games, the next game up is a big one, TCU. But before we get to that, you have been working on crunching numbers. And I think it you've exposed some really cool things um, statistically. Would you like to talk about some of that? Yeah, l- last year in the preseason between the 2020 season and the 21 season, you and I, our biggest question mark was whether or not Sharon Moore could step into the shoes left by Ed Warner without much drop off. We expected maybe a little bit of drop off given that Ed Warner had been coaching offensive line for, you know, 20 plus seasons. Sharon Moore was kind of getting his first crack at it coming from being tight ends coach. So we were just hoping to kind of, uh, maintain and stay at a similar level. Um, and we wanted to measure to see whether or not that had happened. And I, I posted, 
uh, this morning, kind of an extension of that, because last year we measured that and the offensive line in the run game as measured by uh, expected points added or EPA um, really took a jump forward. Not only did Sharon Moore as offensive line coach take a step forward or, or maintain what, what had been done by Ed Warner, which was pretty consistent with what had been done with his predecessor, the, the run game has taken a, a, a huge jump forward, um, almost doubling what our average EPA output per play was in 21. And then increased by another um, 45% um, from 21 to 22. So what Sharon Moore has done in that offensive line room, combined with the, the work that has happened in the running backs room with Mike Hart, uh, really has turned the program um, completely from middle of the road into really elite. And, and I say that because Jim Harbaugh has always wanted the run game to be core uh, to, to his philosophy, his offensive philosophy and uh, the toughness in the trenches really be key to the whole program philosophy. And they were okay at that in the past. And, the program was okay because of that, right? The, what the, they wanted the core of their identity to be was was fine, better than average. Um, but for it to really take a jump forward under Sharon Moore's leadership and, again, adding the, the running back coach Mike Hart to the mix really has what, put, has, what has pushed the program from okay, probably a second tier, to uh, Big Ten champions back-to-back, second time in the college football playoff consecutively and really uh, a reasonable chance to be able to win their semifinal game and uh, challenge for a national title. All of that starts with Jim Harbaugh taking a chance on giving Sharon Moore the promotion in the off season from 2020 to 21 to the offensive line and then promoting him again in 22 to offensive coordinator. So um, really just wanted to, to kind of extend those numbers that we had looked at in the past and highlight again uh, that I think Sharon Moore is one of the most underrated coaches um, that we see that we know of um, our program within the big 10 and um, likely nationally, he, he's really going to be um, he's going to be in a lot of conversations about uh, taking over a program of his own at, at some point in the future. And it's well-deserved and I'm glad that we've got him. I'm glad that we've had him for as long as we have. And I hope that he stays. Um, but if not, I, I I will be a fan of his for a very long time. And what he's done is super, super impressive. And I think it goes back to um, the way Jim Harbaugh is running this program, right? Where I remember when Ed Warner left, I was concerned because in a superficial way, there were a lot of good. Um, there were a lot of good things happening, right? But again, at a superficial level, like many coaches would have been fine with the job that he was doing, and again, you know, sending guys to the NFL. And you took a really hard look at the running stats and said, you know, could have been a lot better. And you know, this comes back to many coaches would have been fine with that, but Jim Harbaugh said we needed to get better. Right. And 
made a change, and that change has turned out great. Um, and, and again, even talking about Mike Hart, right? It's it would be really easy to say, well, you're bringing an alum back, right? It's it's something for the boosters, and it's something you know, it's it'll be a popular move. But not all alums are great coaches, and when you look at the stats, Mike Hart is popular, and you know is beloved by the fan base. But he's also a really good coach. And, you know, it, it's interesting that um, over Harbaugh's time here, he has not hesitated to make changes. And, again, I, you know, I keep, you know, keep spinning the dials to get things right. And the last two seasons, things are coming up very, very right. Um, and, and I think that looking back, they were not obvious moves. And you know, you got to give him credit. You got to give credit to Sharon Moore and Mike Hart, and of course the players who are who are uh, taking the hits and doing the work. But you got to give credit to Harbaugh and, and everybody for working together. And you know, again, this is a guy several times over the last three seasons. People in the fan base were uh, ready to show him the exit, and you know, you you hang with it. And, uh, you know, it comes back to, you know, those who stay will be champions. Well, um, you know, Michigan recently updated the welcome area to Schembechler Hall with pictures of them being champions again. And again, really great to see it working out, but it's, it's, it just doesn't happen. It's not a mistake. It's not random. Okay. And you can look at, you know, the work that the coaches are doing, the coaches, the work that the players are doing, and the statistics bear it out. And, you know, you mentioned this earlier. We've mentioned this in previous podcasts. Michigan put a beating on Ohio State down their best player on offense and down their best player on defense and didn't miss a beat, right? So, um, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the college football playoffs, there's the potential for Michigan to see Ohio State again. And, uh, you know, a lot to, a lot needs to happen for that to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I don't sweat Ohio State right now. So, so Clint, speaking of the college football playoffs, how do you feel about the, upcam, the upcoming game versus TCU? Well, I think it starts um, when we talk about TCU. Uh, it starts with their quarterback, Max Duggan. He is uh, really a dynamic player, uh, kind of a more experienced version of uh, J.J. McCarthy. can make big plays with his arm and with his legs and uh, has shown really uh, physical and mental toughness uh, through this season. Um, physical toughness really banged up in the Big 12 championship game that I watched uh, from start to finish and uh, continued making plays. You know, he scores a touchdown late in the fourth quarter and is so physically exhausted that he can barely, barely stand up and get back to the sideline. So um, really kind of a, a, a warrior mentality uh, just kind of emanates off of Max Duggan at the quarterback position and the mental toughness where this season for them really um, was a lot of uh, comeback wins and a lot of very close games. Um, so for them to run, uh, through the regular season undefeated 12 and 0 uh, losing overtime in the big 12 championship game to Kansas State who they'd already beaten um, really speaks to 
their ability to to rise up in the most cru- crucial moments. And I think, it, as you and I have talked about many times uh, in the last few seasons, that is directly attributed to, in my opinion, leadership, right? Both starting with uh, the coaches and uh, on the sideline, but really in the moment, it's all about your player leaders, your, your best and, and uh, mentally strongest players stepping up and making big plays in big moments. That is what it's all about. So for TCU, it all starts with uh, the quarterback and, and kind of keeping him contained. They, they, they have some really, really uh, talented receivers. Um, I, I think Michigan will employ a similar um, coverage scheme that they've used uh, the last two games. Uh, first to kind of keep Ohio State from uh, major explosive plays. Uh, we saw it again uh, against Purdue where they really just wanted to limit uh, the ability for those receivers to take the top off the defense. They're willing to concede um, some completions and, and moving the chains, but they really wanted to avoid uh, explosive touchdown plays. I think that will stay consistent, but there's going to have to be uh, some added wrinkles uh, against TCU because Duggan can really hurt you with his legs. So they will uh, Sonny Dykes, the head coach at TCU um, will will have some creative ways for for Duggan to make some plays and uh, to have the ball in his hands with an option um, to run or pass. So uh, Michigan is going to have to kind of tweak what's been the core of their defensive uh, game plan these last couple of weeks. So I'm excited to see exactly what Jesse Minter comes up with. Um, on the other side of the ball, Michigan. Uh, is probably going to be down. You know, Blake Corum had surgery on his knee, still, uh, you know, still walking around with crutches. Um, from everything, there was a little bit of confusion about, what, you know, his surgery and what type of uh, rehab there would be. Uh, I, I would, I would imagine that he's out, but I don't know that we've seen anything definitive from Blake Corum directly. But ninety-nine uh, percent uh, chance that he's out for this game. Uh, I, I don't believe Donovan Edwards is going to be all the way back to 100%. He'll probably still have to be wearing something protective um, on his hand, uh, given the nature of that that injury. Um, if it's something that needs to be surgically repaired, then um, they'll likely still have to put the, the protective equipment onto his hand. So um, that's a little bit problematic, but as, as we spent you know a lot of time earlier talking about the the core of what this offense is going to do is is rooted in the offensive line and their ability to execute on a couple key zone plays a couple key gap concepts and to be versatile in how they're going to change based on the tcu front tcu right now is a base 335 defense that may sound familiar from the rich rod days um they're not a particularly elite defense. They're, you know, depending on where you look, TCU ranks anywhere from 23rd down to 35th in defense nationally, especially against the run. So I expect Michigan to keep their their main philosophy. They're really going to start and end with the run game, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how they mix in um, different pass concepts and try to eat up a couple chunks with J.J. McCarthy 
finding guys likely over the middle, uh, depending on how um, how TCU decides to play. But I think it'll be Michigan's receivers and tight ends trying to find space against the linebackers and safeties over the middle of the field where Michigan will try to make big chunk plays. But uh, I expect to see, you know, probably 55% uh, up upwards of 60% run plays. And when they do pass it, they're going to try to get 15 to 25 yard chunks over the middle. And uh, I, I expect them to be able to find success. This is not uh, not quite as, as strong a defense as they've seen elsewhere in the Big Ten. So Michigan should be able to put up a lot of points. What I find when I look at it, when I look at this game is that last season TCU was five and seven, right? Mm-hmm. Had a coaching change, many of the same players, and caught fire this year. And it reminds me of being okay. They're out of phase with Michigan, but it reminds me of kind of Michigan last year, where Michigan came out of the COVID year just just hugely disappointed with the results and just caught fire, right? That's what TCU reminds me of this year. And um, again, you know, going back, I watched much of that game that you were talking about and I've gone back and watched a lot of tape and again, a really resilient team. Okay. And I think that this is a team that I think um, was fortunate many times, but again, you know, you gotta, you gotta win the games, but definitely dodge some bullets. Right. And that shows they're resilient and it has increased their resiliency. Right. This is not a team you want to leave hanging around. Okay. Um, And it's also a team that even if Michigan gets up two or three touchdowns, I don't think you can sleep on because they have come back before, and and I will tell you that performance that we saw in the Big 12 championship game was one of the most amazing performances from a quarterback I've ever seen, okay? And I will tell you also, and I think a lot of people would agree, that um, TCU got screwed by the refs, okay, and very easily could have won that game you know, there were some real questionable reviews, um, you know, thinking specifically of when they were going down to potentially score and win. And, um, oh, well, when did the ball come out? Well, wait a minute. Where was the ball when they went over? And, and again, I, I if, if I'm TCU, I have a real bad taste in my mouth. And a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, um, Oh, boy, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of uh, a, a chip on my shoulder, okay? On we probably, you know, we had this great comeback. Maybe maybe should have won that game, okay? And everybody is overlooking us in the semifinal game. You know, I, I think they're going to they're gonna put up a really good show. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do think Michigan's going to win. I think Michigan um, outmatches them in some of the – skilled positions. I think Michigan has a better defense. I think Michigan has the potential to contain their offense, but, um, you know, they have a puncher's chance. Okay. I, again, I, I think this is going to be a, I'm really excited to see this game. I'm, 
again, I think, uh, um, like I said, it, it's kind of the mirror image of Michigan last year. And hopefully we will play the role of Georgia and, and you know, knock the snot out of them. But, uh, you know, I, I'm keeping an eye on this TCU team, not only, you know, when Michigan plays them this year, but um, I, I think, as Harbaugh would say, they are an ascending program. And uh, definitely looking forward to, to how uh, Michigan will match up with them. Yeah, I think if, if things go uh, according to plan, if Michigan is able to kind of dictate the uh, the speed and pace and rhythm of the game, then then it'll look very similar to what we've seen for pretty much the whole year. Maybe a close game through the first two quarters, you know, one score game at halftime either way. And then really uh, once the adjustments are in and um, you've been able to kind of really implement everything that you want uh, against uh, the, the, the game plan that we see from TCU, then typically we see Michigan pull away. That is very, very possible, certainly. But the, the really the dynamic playmakers that TCU has on offense, um, that's the X factor. If they can find a way to to make some explosive plays, um, to both leverage some of the uh, passing success that Purdue was able to find against the Michigan zone defense, um, and then also use their athleticism uh, and turn some of those into big plays and, and points, then, then all of that, really changes it so um the challenge for for me you know in my eyes is really on the michigan defense to to be able to you know the front seven really have to be able to keep max duggan kind of hemmed in and uh when he does use his legs you know keeping those uh scrambles to um you know less than 10 yards uh, really keeping an eye on him on third downs and fourth downs where where I think they'll lean on him for uh, big conversions. Uh, we'll see some of those high leverage plays. That's the first challenge. And then finding a way to keep your safeties over the top of, of their most explosive receivers. Um, that's that's going to be the biggest challenge and where the game will be decided. If, if Michigan's defense is able to kind of keep them – uh, inside and in front, as we say, right? Don't don't let them go over top of the defense. Don't let them beat you out, uh, up the sidelines. Then um, I expect this to look and feel a lot like uh, Michigan's Big Ten games. So watching this game, or expecting this game, and watching this team play. Um, okay, Ohio State's a front runner, right? They get ahead. And they expect the team to roll over for them. And when Michigan got up on Ohio State, Ohio State hung their head and quit. Okay, and I'd say for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any quit in TCU. And no. I say that with respect, meaning take care of your business. Okay, uh, specifically on defense. But if this team's down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, they their head won't be hanging. They'll be looking to come back. And again. I, I say that with respect, okay? So, again, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. So, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. Go Blue. 
Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.